Clappers, you have it all wrong. It's clap, 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 clap. Then wave your hands around like you're a pretty little sunflower. Look, we're probably going to have to play on Thursday up at the Barclays Center because we keep losing games. I mean, how did we lose to George Mason? We are the best band in the country. We are VCU. Come on, guys. We got to show more pep because we are the Peppas. Now we have to get this Mayo Pete dance down perfectly. Uh, Tori? Yes? Can we just, like, go back to the you don't want to go to war with the Rams chant? I thought that one was way cooler. No, that was way too radical of a chant. It will not appeal to Middle Virginia. Now, come on, everybody. It's down, 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 up, 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 travel call, travel call, travel call, travel call, eight claps, and then wave around like a pretty sunflower. Come on, Pav, tell them. I don't know what you want me to do about it, Tori. I'm a little busy right now. Oh my god, Pav, you're so cool and funny. Just go ahead and watch out for the halftime snacks for us. Now, come on, everybody. We're going to do this again and again and again until we are ready for our second round game against GW. Now, come on, ready? One, two, three, four. Unfurled and Friends Episode 4. We're going to make Bonas heaven on earth. Welcome everybody, Bonna Commenter here with SB Unfurled. I know we had a bad loss on Friday, but how you feeling, Unfurled? Man, uh, it's always tough coming off those total ass kickings, I think, and then having eight days off. Uh, so this, I, I'm, like, I'm craving Bonna basketball right now. Uh, I need a, a midweek pick-me-up, but we're not going to get one. We have to wait a whole week. Um, overall, I think it'll be good for us. You know, get get some rest, have Schmidt, uh, you know, whole week to prepare for Richmond. We'll, we'll have an advantage as far as preparation. I think it'll be a much-needed bye week for us. Um, yeah, even, even though we did not play on this uh, Tuesday-Wednesday segment, we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon, um, mm-hmm. But Tuesday, the Bonnies basically won without playing because, as you heard in the cold open, VCU lost their third straight. St. Louis lost at UMass. And Davidson, up 19, I believe was the high point. They were up 19 and lost at St. Joe's, which St. Joe's has an even worse three-point defense than us. I don't know how they were able to do that last night. I don't either. Davidson looked like they did against us in the first half. They were like eight of 12 from deep. And it was just like, okay, Davidson's getting hot at the right time. Here we go. And then they finish eight of 20. So they were 0 for eight from deep in the second half. And it was just an unbelievable collapse. Uh, And and like you said, I'm sitting there. I watched all three of those games. 
and we did get a ton of help without even playing. All teams that went into Tuesday at seven and five lost. So we we got some separation. They're all now seven and six, still two get two wins behind us. Yeah, but unfortunately, we're not a St. Joe's podcast. So I don't want to get too much into how St. Joe's pulled that one off. I mean, I'm just looking kind of at our stats from the Davidson, the Davidson debacle, and it was you know it was actually a pretty good first eight or so minutes I want to say and then everything just fell apart when they were Davidson just hit every three I believe it was like 61 percent from three in the first half something like that I remember at some point I was just like I'm only gonna start tweeting uh percentages I I gave that up pretty quickly (laughs) afterwards but I was still like I'm just basically gonna keep tweeting Davidson three-point percentages because it's just this what else are we gonna do right now yeah it was close I get the under 12 timeout I think it was 19 to 18 and then they just went on a complete tear uh they had seven different guys hit threes uh i think they had 13 threes overall the way they just moved the ball uh it, it's everything i worry about when they come here or when we go there they seem to do it to us every time we play them it, it's so frustrating uh yeah mckillop's just uh he's just a, a half court offense mastermind it seems like and it was just like a perfect storm of everything for them because not only were they hitting, I mean, it ended 13 for 26 from three, but I think they were just kind of lazily chucking some up at the end. So they were over 50% for, for the real portion of the game. But I know the guys on three bid league were talking about, you know, how good a guy like Nelsie Bochiotum was doing for them. And he's a guy who's not really a starter or even somebody who's supposed to be a main contributor. They basically only have six guys with young John Lee coming off the bench, but Bochi Yodum, he had um he almost had a, a double double there last night or on Friday night. Yeah, he's a he's a good. Like, I thought he was going to be a bigger piece for their he, offense. He actually did. Probably. It was eleven and ten. Sorry to cut you off. He had eleven and ten. Yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah, anytime you can have those guys stretch the floor and then have a, a couple big guys down there like Brakovich, he he did pretty well too. I think he had like thirteen points. Probably not as many rebounds, but um, a guy like Gunmanson gets double digit rebounds too. He had, a, I don't know if he's had any triple doubles this year. I remember last year he had several, but he had 14 points, 11 rebounds, eight assists. Easy to get assists when you guys are shooting like that, but those big guards, uh, they can cause trouble, especially when, you know, they, they can rebound and stretch the floor at the same time. Yeah, I don't I don't want to play Davidson in Brooklyn because even though they fell apart in the second half against St. Joe's on Tuesday, it's they're going to be a very tough out. I think I think sometimes, you know, it's college basketball and 18 to 22 year olds do weird stuff. I mean, you could say that about us on last Friday night. We did some weird stuff in the end of the first half. Um, I think Davidson is certainly going to be somebody that you don't really want to play at the Barclays Center other than Dayton. I mean. At this point, I'd rather play VCU than Davidson. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. I think those are our two worst matchups. Of course, Dayton's on a whole nother level this year, so you don't want to see them, but you're probably going to have to anyway. Um, I saw a bracket, like if the A-10 tournament was today, it was pretty favorable for us, I thought. Like our two worst matchups, that I, I think our worst matchups, Davidson and VCU are on the other side of the bracket. You had us in the 4-5 potentially against Duquesne, who's a good matchup for us. You had, you know, Dayton possibly playing maybe their worst matchup in St. Louis. So these tournaments are all about matchups. I'm not, like, fixated on the three or the four. I'd much rather look at the matchups and, like, going down the road potential for 
getting victories against teams that we match up well against because even though VCU has lost three or four or whatever, I still think, especially for getting them on, you know, a day's rest, that that can be really, really tough for us if they turn it up to a different level. They played well yesterday, um, so I don't want to see them or Davidson. They're both awful matchups for us. Yeah, uh, we can get more into the whole three versus four debate because I kind of disagree with you on that. But we'll get into that more with Richmond because basically if we lose to Richmond, the three seed is is not going to happen. So we'll get into that a little bit later. I'm on the but it is 80s weekend, so we really wanted to find some alum who was at Bonas, especially during the 80s, because spoiler alert, neither of us were at Bonas during the 80s or our 80s alums. So while we did get a guy who technically graduated in 1991, this really is a bombshell. You Welcome back, everyone, to SB Unfurled and Friends. And we have another new friend with us this week, 1991 Bonaventure alum, Adrian Wojnarowski. Woj, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on this wonderful 80s weekend. Guys, uh, thanks thanks for having me. Good to be with you. Thanks so much for joining us, man. This is this is awesome. Um, I I was actually a freshman during uh solomon's last year and some of my some of my friends you know their four years align with solomon's four years they'd still go to every game they could they travel through the rough weather to watch a team that went two and 26 so the passion for the bonnies is always there no matter what i saw that you went to bonas during what was probably the only other like really tough stretch that the program had like the late 80s early 90s there's a stretch there in the early '90s where we went three and 45 in the conference. Your senior year, I think they went 0 and 18 conference. Did you see the same passion despite the the product on the court? Do you have any good stories about being a fan when you were there? Yeah, no, that's uh, I'd forgotten about the 0 and 18 my senior year. I I think it was 13 and 15, 13 and 15 under Ronda Carley, and then I think it was 8 and 20 under Tom Chapman, 5 and 23 under Tom Chapman, if I'm not wrong. Mm. Which at the time made us maybe, I don't know if we were the losingest class, but we were among the losingest class until probably that, that era you're talking about. Uh, there were probably some classes there that lost even more. But you're right, the, the passion and, you know, the student body, but also in the community. And, you know, certainly it was a little bit more subdued. But, you know, that's what's remarkable about Bonaventure. Mark Schmidt talks about it all the time. He affectionately calls it a cult. And wherever you go on the road... <laughs> Um, if a place is not selling a lot of tickets for their team, they're going to get overrun by Bonnie's fans and, and wherever they go in the conference. And it really is remarkable. And it's part of what has, I think, kept a school for so many people. It keeps them. It's still their connection to the school. And people you know, ask, why is it important to be in the Atlantic 10? Why is it important to be Division One? And I think for a lot of people, it's it keeps them connected to St. Bonaventure. It keeps them connected with their classmates, going to games on the road, supporting the team, you know, hopefully donating to the school or the, the, the programs. And so it is mm-hmm. amazing. Um, yeah, well, that's exactly why we're kind of, you know, doing this podcast here because we both graduated fairly recently, but still follow the team, just like you said. And once we're getting more money, hopefully we can <laughs> donate more money to the school. So where would 21-year-old Woj be hanging out around Olean and Allegheny back back in the heyday before before the Woj bomb days and, and all the breaking news stuff from the NBA? Where would you be hanging out in Olean and Allegheny? Well, it's good you said 21-year-old. 
<laughs> version of me because of course that was the drinking age then so there's no way i was ever in the burden or the other place or club 17 or the jube i certainly couldn't have been in any of those places but no the the burden uh you know the other place and club 17 you know that's the stripping allegheny you know i mean i always tell people like if you can figure out like people are worried about their careers and like what's ahead of them after bonaventure if you can figure out how to get from the stripping allegheny you know back to francis or back to dev like you're going to be fine in your career you really are like that that that, like that that's a tough enough task in itself but yeah there's no question we'd be hanging uh yeah we'd be hanging in those places it's especially in the winter now i know your profile picture used to be butler gym like on campus i know we're talking about you know going out at night but like what about on campus stuff you know i lived in dev for three years and then lived in francis my senior year i, I enjoyed living in francis mark murphy was a good friend of mine who was a bodies manager then and still a good friend of mine. He lived across the hall. There was that gym in Butler gym. Excuse me, there was that gym in Francis that is not sort of like a storage yeah. place. It kind of broke my heart to see. <laughs> I think they turned it maybe into an art gallery, which is fine. And maybe it's storage now. But we could go play downstairs in that Francis gym. And it was like a three-quarter court. So you didn't really yeah. have to do a lot of running. And senior year playing a lot of pickup out there was fun. We had the, of course, we had the dining hall in Francis, so you didn't have to walk into Hickey. Uh, I, I enjoyed, by, by senior year, I enjoyed that part of it. But I tell you what, the campus now with the fitness center, I think it's a much better experience for a student now than when we were there. There's more on campus. Um, you know, the RC CAF, I mean, you know, give me tuna subs, the RC CAF. Uh, <laughs> through the years i mean i plowed through a few of those so uh yeah like you you know you you, be, you better be used to being on campus because you weren't you know you weren't going off campus for a whole lot during the week that's for sure yeah spicy uh spicy chicken wraps from the rc you talk about how it's almost cult-like and sports i think already provides like crazy emotional highs, emotional lows, but when you're so invested in a team like we are having gone to Bonas and it almost becomes like a representation of a part of who we are, what's the happiest Woj has ever been as a Bona fan? You talk about the high point for me easily, uh, Atlantic City, you know, watching us absolutely take Xavier apart. Andrew Nicholson was playing out of his mind and, and to win an at-large bid and go to the NCAAs. I never imagined I would see that. You know, certainly the Jim Barron um, and that was another one. Jim Barron in 2000, I remember going to Cleveland and double overtime against Kentucky was a pretty remarkable day. Um, up five with a minute, not that I remember it too well, up five <laughs> with a minute to go and Tayshawn Prince hits that three-pointer mm-hmm. uh, to put it into overtime. And then David Messiah Capers hits three free throws with no time left on the clock with an empty free throw line uh, at the end of the third. I think he was shooting 52, 53% from the line. And I think they might have called him out or two to ice him. Uh, certainly, I, you know, that one stays with you. And, and really, like, what's been amazing through the Mark Schmidt era, like, every season, there's something. Like, we don't go to the postseason. There's a great run in the Atlanta tournament. There's wins over top 25 teams. <laughs> like, th- there's no throwaway seasons with him. And that's what's pretty amazing. His teams always get better. And now you look at the team we have. You know, as good of a young team as I've seen in my not a lifetime. You look at the talent that's there now, and the potential for that group yeah. moving forward is um, 
I think the ceiling is as, is as high as any group we've had, but uh, it's, it's, it's absolutely a golden era of Bonnie's basketball. I hope people appreciate it. It's probably not always going to be like this. And it's, to me, it's just amazing what Mark has done that we've been able to keep Mark that he's still at Bonaventure in what is 13th or 14th season. Yeah. And we're lucky to be living through this because you look at our program compared to some of the schools we're competing with budget wise facilities, location. It's just amazing that Mark not only finds a way to do it, but he does it with really good kids, with kids who, who want to be a part of Bonas community, who, who fit, uh, fit the place. And it's really pretty amazing. Like every day I wake up and you, you look at like who we're playing and what's coming next. And to me, it's amazing that the, uh, the kind of program we've been able to sustain over such a long period. That's right. And I mean, you kind of touched a little bit on what I want to ask you next, which is the current roster. Um, some of us joke about the 2022 final four, cause that's when we're going to have Kyle Lofton, Oshun Oshuni, Dom Welch, you know, hopefully everybody's together still on their seniors. So in terms of this team for this year, and the next three years, uh, like what are you thinking about in terms of like how good they are? What, what do you think some of our strengths are, especially when you kind of come at this with more of an NBA mindset as opposed to a college mindset, you kind of are looking for different things in terms of talent. So what do you think about our, our particular guys? Well, I mean, you know, you start with, you know, having a point guard at a center that are, that are as good as any in the league, you know, assume and, and, and Kyle and Kyle often and, you know, those two came in together and some from the same, you know, essentially the same high school, the same prep school. Uh, you know, they've been remarkable, uh, you know, as good as anybody at their positions at their age and in the conference. And, and I think as they move up, they're going to be nationally recognized players. And Dom Welch, you know, on the wing and A.J. Vasquez this year has really impressed me. Tough minded, uh you know, physical guard, great plays with great enthusiasm, plays on both ends, and and then you know Justice Winston. I mean, this is a place uh, player who, you know, physically you look at him and go, should be in the big. Like he looks like a big, you know, like a Big East player. Like it's like, how did we get him? And and I know he had Big East offers. I remember one, one NBA executive having watched Bonnie's early in the season said, you know, physically their roster looks like a Big East roster, just physically, athletically. And that was not always the case. It just speaks to, um, I mean, I remember there was a stretch of time, guys, where Bonnie's coaches would tell me years ago that if another Atlantic 10 team offered one, we, we had a run of any number of years where we didn't have a player on our roster who was offered a scholarship by another Atlantic 10 team, meaning if somebody else in the Atlantic 10 had offered, like we wouldn't get them. And like even think of Jalen Adams. If Jalen got offered by GW, you know, from down in the D.C. area, if he got offered by George Washington or George Mason, we probably don't get him, but they didn't offer him. And that has changed in the last couple of years. And, he, you know, Robert Carpenter, who hasn't played a lot as a freshman, was highly recruited. And, uh, and so it just speaks to the level of player that Mark's attracting and players know, you know, you can get to the pros from St. Bonaventure. You're going to play in an offense that's going to go up and down the floor and score a lot of points in a, in a, in a great environment, just a great college environment, great college towns. So, uh, you know, that group. And then uh, who, who I'm forgetting here, um, uh, you know, even, you know, Peasy, like you look at the improvement he's made. His body looks different from when he arrived. Uh, he's more nimble. He moves better. You know, and that's the one thing that players know at St. Bonaventure. I mean, Andrew Nicholson and, you know, go down the list of, of guys who've been able to make a living at this. 
you know, guys get better and, and they, they, they improve. And we've had a lot of continuity in the coaching staff and, you know, player development is, is, you know, a real priority with Mark and, and you have to like at Bonaventure, you've got to get your guys better. You're going to sometimes get tweeners and guys who are a little bit between size who maybe fell through the cracks. And now you're seeing a group that athletically can compete. It's a really talented deep roster and uh you know soon is a guy who could and you saw what we were like without him um struggles we had his ability to protect the rim patrol the paint block shots alter shots rebound and and then uh you know offensively you know be a real factor around around the rim he is you know he is a player that there's not a program in the country Think, think of his recruitment he goes and visits he visits georgetown the week before he commits to Bonnie's gets offered by Maryland gets offered by Syracuse and like in my lifetime I would have imagined a player with those choices picking say Bonaventure and, and assume could play not just play but be a factor for any of those programs then I would have never imagined that in in my lifetime uh, with the Bonnie's knowing those places and what they have to offer and the conferences and the facilities and that you know the tell you know like for someone to pick Mark Schmidt and I know he wanted, I think, playing with Kyle Often was certainly a factor for him. And, you know, he was comfortable with the environment at Bonnie's. Uh, it's, it's awesome. Wax on, right hand. Wax off, left hand. Wax on, wax off. How do you watch games? Because you're, during, you know, the, the college season overlaps with the NBA season, I'm sure you're really busy, especially at night with all the all the NBA games going on. How, how does Woj watch the Bonnies? Do you watch on your phone? Are you watching at airports? Do you, uh, do you have to watch at Bristol? I mean, how, how do you, how do you take in a Bonnie game? Oh yeah. Watching. Yeah. On my laptop. I mean, I can, I mean, I've watched the Bonnies play, you know, courtside at NBA games. I watched it in studio, uh, <laughs> watching my Peloton for not, not for two hours, I <laughs> But, but any number of good workout, uh, any number of, of places. Uh, I remember uh, we were doing a live show the night we beat Syracuse. I remember maybe it was around the date where guys were eligible to be traded who were free agents that summer. And there was some activity going on, okay. some moves being made. I just remember. So that's December. I remember there being a couple of high volume times where. Like I was trying to keep my eye on the game and I'd lose. I, I know the Syracuse game. I remember being in the studio that night uh, when we beat them. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to, you know, I can't like this. Listen, there's nights where you're on the move and you're not watching, but uh, we were at all-star weekend in Chicago with my family and you know, my wife went to Bonnie's and you know, her whole family, her dad went to Bonnie's, her uncle, her sister, um, her sister's husband, my bro- our brother-in-law played at Bonnie's. And so, uh, we were in Chicago last week for All Star and uh, the Friday, the Davidson game, which was not certainly a no, <laughs> no, you know, one, yeah, it was a tough one. But we were watching, and we, we went out to dinner, and we found a place where we could see the game, and uh, and um, you know, we tried to build our Friday night in Chicago around it. Yeah, and how do you and I know Chris Laplaca is another big guy behind the scenes at ESPN. How do you both kind of rep Bonas at ESPN on campus in New York at Seaport, wherever, because we see a lot of the SEC and other big football schools always, you know, representing their teams. So how do you guys kind of make sure Bonas is known? <laughs> well, like there's certainly not like a sports center banker who doesn't know about my love for the body. So like sometimes 
John Buchagross will introduce me as Bonaventure alum. He does it all the time when I'm on Sports Center with him. Bucci Maine. Bucci Maine, yep. And so uh, Scott Van Pelt, I remember the night of the uh, win over UCLA. That's another one. That's another night I think about. We think about great body nights. Uh, went to Dayton with Mark Murphy, who is you know, a close friend of mine on campus, and his son, mm-hmm. Jack, and, and went to Dayton and, you know, cheered on, you know, watching the Bonnies beat UCLA in the uh, NCAA tournament. In fact, I have a, in, in our living room, we have a framed front page of the LA Times the next day. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, of, of the Bonnies win it from the LA Times uh, point of view from uh, LA. was pretty neat. And uh, yeah, I think of that, uh, yeah, I think of that game, but it's, uh, I remember that night, Scott Van Pelt leading with, uh, leading with the Bonnies UCLA and, and, uh, yeah, being pretty proud of that. But it's, uh, yeah, we, there's so many, there's so many Bonnie alums at ESPN. Um, uh, Charlie Cream, Charlie, I guess Charlie Cream, that goes by Chuck Cream now. He, uh, he's our woman bracketologist at ESPN, women's NCAA tournament. Oh. He, worked with Joe, he worked with Joe Lenardi out of college and then, you know, really almost created that position. And, he lives in Vegas, but he comes back to Bristol a few times a year. So I'm walking through the calf the other day and I hear someone call my name and I see Charlie who, you know, I think when I was the BB sports editor, Charlie covered, I want to say he covered swimming or soccer was his first beat. And so, you know, I think of the BB back then we had Charlie cream. We had Mike Vaccaro, who's obviously the columnist at the New York post, one of the best in the country. And he's, you know, a close friend of my wife and I, uh, he's, he's the godfather of our son, Ben. And, uh, you know, Mike was a couple of years older than me. I remember my first week of my freshman year at Bonnie's on fourth East, they were having a newspaper meeting, maybe like on Sunday evening and maybe it was Friday or Saturday. And I found out that the editor of the, of the BV lived on my floor. So I went and knocked on his door and he answered the door and, and said, Hey, I want to write for the BV. He's like, great. So we talked for a while and, and, uh, <laughs> he was the editor in chief that year. And, and, you know, we've stayed close ever since but but it's uh yeah but espn is full of um i want to say 14 15 espn uh uh, bonnie people at least in that neighborhood nice and which is a lot for this high school we are i mean you think pound for pound and you know i had an internship at bonnie's when i was in college and i interned i grew up in bristol connecticut and so espn was right down the street and i interned for crystal placa between i think my sophomore and junior year and there was another bonding grad named John Domino who worked in programming, who was from Buffalo. And part of my internship was working over with him in programming. And he passed away several years later. We have the John Domino award over in the journalism school. And, and, uh, he was really influential for me. He was a, a guy who was really at the top of the business and, and unfortunately passed, you know, at a really young age, um, but when I think of ESPN, I think of John Domino, too, because he was somebody who, like Crystal Placa, you know, they were there when I was at Bonnie's and uh, and were really, really good to me and really open, help open up a lot of doors for me. So, yeah, I think Bonaventure and ESPN have, uh, you know, a great, uh, you know, it's, it's, been a, it's been a great pipeline, I think, for both places. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Before we wrap up, Woj, and we, we really appreciate your time. This has been great. I think people are going to love this. Um, you've probably watched 
almost a thousand Bana games. Is there a guy that that is your favorite? Not even necessarily like the best player you've seen. We know those names, obviously. Um, but just just a guy you loved watching uh, that you would take on pretty much any Bana team that you've it's seen. A good question. It's a good question. Uh, you know, my brother-in-law, Darren Quinlan, was before my time there, so I never really saw him play. Um, but I know he had a cult following at Bonaventure. They called him Sky, <laughs> Sky Quinlan. Um, I, I would say in recent years, one of my favorite players was uh, Matt Mobley. Yes. Matt Mobley was, I mean, he just came off the bus shooting, scoring. You know, he only played two years at Bonas. He transferred from Central Connecticut. I want to say he scored a thousand points in two years. Yeah, he I'm did. Yeah, the right. pride of Worcester. That's, that, that that's that's hard to do. He he was um, a lot of fun to watch. He helped that program win certainly a lot of games. Uh, really, just a, a terrific kid. And, and I'll name one other player, Jordan Gathers. Yes, who I got to know when he was at Bonnie's, and then he ended up doing a fourth year or fifth year at at uh, Butler. But like. Just a high character, great kid, um, was not very highly recruited. I think Bonaventure was probably by far the highest level place to recruit him and came in and had a really productive career hit. I think in that 1-8 game in Brooklyn, hit the <laughs> three-pointer against St. Louis when we upset them, right, in the first round. I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> yeah, right. And that was like a – that was really one of the great first conference tournament buzzer beaters I remember us having even when we won the Atlantic 10 uh, in 2012 uh, 12 right 2012 um, I don't th- there wasn't a game like there wasn't there were close games in that tournament but but that was like a real sort of like traditional March Madness moment that the Bonnies I don't remember us having which was buzzer beater lower seed upset the number one seed in the conference tournament so um, like not Probably not the two best players of the era, but guys who I thought were really glue guys for teams and really good kids who sort of personified the spirit of the place. So, yeah, Matt Mobley, Jordan Gathers, definitely two of my favorites. Yeah, they are two really good examples of just coming to Bonas and you can make just about whatever you want out of your time there. But Adrian Wojnarowski, 1991 alum of Bonas, thank you so much for joining us, Woj. And hey, if you're not going to be at Bonas for 80s weekend, enjoy 80s weekend wherever you are, whether you're at LA, New York, Miami, wherever. You got it. Thanks, guys. Thanks uh, Thanks for uh, letting me jump on. That was a lot of fun. Thanks, Woj. Absolutely. Thanks, Woj. I think you're the greatest, but my dad says you don't work hard enough on defense. Listen to you. I've been hearing that crap ever since I was at UCLA. I'm out there busting my buns every night. Tell your old man to drag Walton and Lanier up and down the court for 48 minutes. Those were a couple different Woj bombs. He loves Matt Mobley, and I'm proud of that because I was saying that he was snubbed from the all-century team, and I was probably alone on that. Obviously, if he would have been here four years, he's he's going to be, you know, maybe even top ten. I agree with Woj. Like, Mobley was one of my, along with Posley, you know, um, favorite players to watch at Bonas, and obviously with Adams running the point, and then those guys at the at the two spots, just just electric backcourts, and also love Gathers. Gathers was there when I was a student, and I remember him hitting that three that we talked about, and within an hour we were on the road to Brooklyn. Yeah, <laughs> just uh, just a great memory there too. 
And it's like, I just love hearing Woj just talking about not only like his time here, but also like the current guys. So he's still plugged into them. I mean, I feel like he's talking about them more than he probably knows about the Sacramento Kings and he's the best NBA reporter. (laughs) Yeah. And you hear like, I listened to uh, SVP when he was on with uh, Blackburn and Sully and and they were just talking about how like it never leaves you. And SVP was kind of like, I thought maybe when I, when I got older, it would kind of, you know, you get successful. Maybe you don't pay attention as much. You're a little more busy. You have family, but he was like, no, it never, it never leaves you. And that's kind of what Woj was saying too. Like he, he's still plugged in. He's, he's watching any way he can. Um, just, uh, especially with the Bonnies, it's just your fandom for, for Bonnie basketball never leaves you. No matter how busy you get, even if you're breaking stories about John Beeline and yeah, I mean, he was even working hard with the Kobe Bryant story and just, just all the work. He, he's I'm surprised he even had that much time to talk to us. <laughs> yeah, NBA All-Star weekend, you know, he he was in Chicago with his family, like uh, still found a way to watch the, the Davidson game. Unfortunately, um, I wish he did. Yeah. <laughs> He he wanted to just come on and talk Bonnies with us, and probably the biggest get we could we could possibly get for uh, for eighties weekend for everyone. Oh yeah, SB Unfurled and friends dropping Woj bombs for you. Now, of course, the big game of 80s weekend is Richmond. The Spiders are in third place in the A-10. We're in fourth, so this is going to be a huge game to try and get a tiebreaker and possibly avoid number one seed Dayton at the A-10 tournament. So we have another big guest. It is Richmond head coach Chris Mooney. Welcome to our newest friend, Richmond head coach, Chris Mooney. Thanks for joining us, coach. Yep, that's why you're here. Now, this week is the one-year anniversary of when the Fire Mooney Mafia put up that famous billboard on I-95. This is the first chance you've really had to speak candidly about the incident. Good, we want you to feel honest and free here on SB Unfurled and Friends. So how did you feel when you first saw that billboard? Don't tell me you're too I know, I can see you're, you're still emotional and tearing up about it. Now, how have you used that billboard to motivate yourself and the Spiders this season? Never gonna give up, never gonna let you down. Right, now you all have had a great A-10 season, and you've got a very good chance at a double buy in Brooklyn. What do you have to say to the haters who put up that billboard? Okay, so do you think you've earned an extension? Really? Not even just like two or three years for flexibility? Alright, well finally, what's the single most important thing the Spiders have to do to beat the Bonnies? Okay, once again, Chris Mooney, head coach of the Richmond Spiders. Thanks so much for your time, coach.
I think we just brought back Rickroll on. What do you think? Man, <laughs> people need to look up uh, Chris Mooney if they if they don't remember what he looks like and Rick Astley. It's another great lookalike. We're on a roll with the lookalikes. It's it's a spitting image between the two of them. Although I did notice like a little bit this year. I think Chris Mooney's getting a little gray. He has he doesn't really have that you know redhead look anymore. Uh, maybe some of those seasons were were getting to him. <laughs> Yeah, thanks to the Fire Mooney Mafia, he's going a little gray, maybe. You're not going to find better analysis than what Mooney just gave us when he said, we know the game and we're going to play it. I, I don't think we can do better than that, but we can try. Well, they know what Davidson did to us, and that's basically their style. <laughs> They know the game and they're going to play it. That's like a Bill Belichick answer right there. He didn't give you much, but at least he was singing. I think Bill Belichick might have a little bit of a better singing voice, according to Schmidt. (laughs) Uh, But, I mean, like you said, Richmond, third in the conference. They're one of the best teams in the conference this season. Lenardi just had them on the bubble his last four outs, so these guys will be fighting for an at-large bid every game they play in the rest of the way. We beat them last year. That, That was a really disappointing season for them though they finished like 13 and 20 they were 6 and 12 in the a10 they look way they were a pillow fighter oh were they yeah that's right yeah they were the 11 the 11 yeah they they look way different this year uh i think what they're doing this year is kind of like what we can do should do maybe even next year their top five contributors are all juniors so we might have a similar makeup next year all those guys are going to be back for richmond next year that's they're going to be maybe top you know preseason poll top two top three next year yeah and we're recording this before they play george mason wednesday night so we're just going to assume that they get by george mason but if by the off chance that george mason pulls off another upset in richmond (laughs) you guys lost to him (laughs) oh my god uh vcu assumed they were going to get by george mason too and we saw how that worked out so uh richmond i'm sure they're aware that they mooney's telling them they can't do the same thing they can't look ahead to saturday with our game uh i i think they'll win but i mean people understandably talk a lot about their offense their defense has been really good this season too like unlike us they're great at defending the three they can make a living on turning you over getting buckets in transition off steals gilliard's a really good defender um uh, we've been good at not turning it over this season, thanks mostly to Lofton, but they're, I think they're the best team in the conference at taking care of the ball too, so I don't expect us to be turning them over as much either. Yeah, I'm looking at that nerd Kempom, and it says 21st percent or 21st in the country in steal percentage, uh, 41st in three-point percentage, so they know how to uh, either force the ball out of people's hands and defend the, the perimeter, which... Our three-point shooting is not exactly one of our strongest things. Um, I don't think it's as bad as everybody may think. Um, Certainly, it's not as bad as it was on Friday night, but if Richmond really is able to lock down with some guys like Nathan Ko and Grant Golden out on the perimeter, it could be tough for some of our smaller guys to get off some shots unless they're absolutely wide open. Yeah, what I want to see, honestly, this game, we've seen it in the past when Lofton's going up against smaller guards. Jameer Nelson Jr., even, I believe, Fats Russell, you'd see Lofton get the ball in the post and post up these smaller guards in isolation. I would love to see him do that against Gilliard. You know, spread the offense, get him down low, 
get him the ball in the post one-on-one against Gillier, and then he can either shoot it or, or make a nice pass to the perimeter. Uh, I, I think that could be a different look that we can give Richmond. I'm not too worried about Jacob Gilliard. Of course, I say that now and he's going to score 30 points on Saturday. But, I mean, he's good. Don't get me wrong. But I think Lofton can help neutralize him. I'm more worried about Blake Francis because he came back a little bit earlier than expected from his injury. And I'm not quite sure who we should put on him. If it should be Welch, if it should be English, if we should move Welch down to the four and bring in Vasquez or something I, I, for speed. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure who, who will be able to shut down Francis. Yeah. I'd like to see a couple different looks. Um, I've been saying for a couple of weeks, Welch at the four would be a, a nice change of pace for us. He's such a good rebounder. Um, he's six, five, but he, he gets up, he gets the ball at highest point, he has strong hands, put him at the four. If, if Winston needs a break or Bobby's, you know, not feeling it again. Uh, hmm. and then, and then you can have, you know, like you said, Vasquez and English on the, on the perimeter to D up. I think, uh, English is a pretty good defender. I think, and he's just a tough nose bulldog kind of guy. I think we can see him on, on uh, KO. Yeah, I think it really matters about how well uh, Winston plays defense because as talented as he is, there are definitely some defensive lapses. And so if we're going up against a smaller team, I don't know if Richmond really quite fits that build. I think Davidson really did. Certainly I wouldn't want to put Welch at the four against like St. Louis, but I think with some of these smaller teams, Welch is only an inch shorter than Courtney Stockard and is almost as good of a rebounder. So I don't yeah. think putting him there at the four is necessarily a bad thing to at least try. Now, it might also be too late in the season to try out a new lineup like that. I, I kind of understand that. That kind of goes back to what we could have done if we had the full roster in non-conference. Yeah, what worries me, too, is their big man, Grant Golden, he can play a little offensively on the perimeter. So he could potentially you know pull Ocean away from the basket. When teams can do that, bad things have happened. We kind of saw... St. Joe's do that, uh, and they were pretty successful in the first half. So I like to see us even go zone, keep Oshun around the basket to protect the rim. Don't let him go out to the perimeter as much. Um, but, yeah, Richmond can throw a lot of different looks at you. So they're a really good team. As far as weaknesses, they're not good at all at offensive rebounding. Yeah. One of the worst in the country, honestly. Uh, so limiting their second-chance points should be pretty doable for us. Uh, but if it's anything like Davidson, like they won't even – get a chance to offensive rebound because everything will just be going in the basket you know yeah unfortunately if they do pull out Oshun that could really give them a better chance to actually get some offensive rebounds because I think they we saw that definitely against St. Joe's like you mentioned I'm sure there are probably another instance or two where that could have happened as well maybe UB I'd have to look back SUNY at Amherst excuse me Um, and we'd have to look back on that but going back to the defense with zone I mean 2-3 is really I don't know how a 2-3 is going to stop the three-point barrage that we're facing. I know Schmidt has thrown the one-three-one out there quite a bit, and we were talking about that a little bit on A10 Talk. And yeah, I'd I'd be interested to see what that could do because I don't remember the last time we saw the one-three-one. I want to say at George Mason at the beginning of conference season. Yeah, I don't know if he just doesn't think he maybe has the personnel to run it successfully because we are really young, and I feel like some of the guys get lost on defense against teams like this who can really move the ball. Um, just thinking back to that tournament year when you had uh, Griffin at the top of it with his length and how, how successful it was, even without a dominant big man like Oshun. So you, you kind of think we should be able to figure out figure it out with Oshun 
you know, anchoring the middle. We have good wing defenders. Uh, maybe put Welch on the bottom of it, running baseline to baseline. Um, I'd love to see that. Schmidt's been very successful when we've been able to, like, all the time pretty much, uh, but especially when we're able to mix up the right personnel with zone and man defense. I feel like we have, like, 10 different possible solutions to this three-point defense issue, and I don't know if any of them are going to work because I can just see Gilliard or Francis or even Golden, like, hitting the first four threes in, like, the first five minutes on 80s weekend and then we're just like ah shit we're back in the same spot again yeah like Tavian Dunmartin going wild against us we were able to stay in it because they didn't really have anyone else making baskets for most of the game um gave up like 80 points that game we we, so those teams are, are definitely an issue the teams that can hit it from deep I think the crowd like I said this last game though but the the crowd the home court advantage we're gonna have should be enough to keep us certainly with you know within striking distance most of the game I just feel like when Davidson started to hit a couple threes we just kind of collapsed I feel like it went from four or five to 20 in no time um took the crowd right out of it you know people were leaving at halftime we can't have that happen again leaving at halftime the hell guys you better not be leaving at halftime at 80s weekend you gotta be hungry like the wolf come on (laughs) yeah the the student section behind the basket was scarce in the second half yeah towards the end uh, captain captain beer was still there captain beer's always there man captain beer will never 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 give up he will never let you down he will never run around and desert you (laughs) it's the bond of spirit it's the rick astley St. Bonaventure, Franciscan, Captain Beer Spirit. So we wanted to get to one particular topic that's really taken Bonaventure fans kind of by storm recently in the last week or so. John Rothstein, you know, college basketball analyst for CBS Sports, he tweets all these canned responses and I mean, we made fun of him during the the last cold open of the last episode. His response whenever the Bonnies win is Mark Schmidt, more with less. And that's really gotten a lot of people debating on if that's a good tweet, bad tweet. What do you think about it, Unfurled? You know, first of all, like I I laugh and I I scoff at the idea of a guy like John Rothstein. And I'd have to imagine our staff does too. Um, It's not even just the more with less tweet. Like, I feel like he takes veiled shots at Bonas whenever he can because our fans get after him so much and he kind of just likes to troll us in different ways as far as the more with less stuff like first of all he he is completely for hire like he he'll show himself out there in the offseason trying to get programs to pay him to write these puff tweets guys in the a10 would pay Ross Dean uh just to put out you know like year after year the a10 goes through Kingston this year or whatever the hell he he says about you know used to say about Dan Hurley. Um, the thing that doesn't make sense to me, uh, he'll post this when we beat teams like that we're right on par with, or even higher than when it comes to expenses. Like, would it make sense if he put this stuff out when we beat UCLA or Dayton or even like VCU? Absolutely. But that's not really what he does. Like he'll put it out when we beat George Mason. Uh, hmm. No, we, we spend almost exactly the same on our program as Mason does. And we've. Well, that's why I kind of, at first, was kind of on his side, for, oddly enough, because I'm like, okay, objectively speaking, we probably don't spend too much money on basketball compared to the others. I get what he's saying. He's not necessarily saying the players are less, blah, blah, blah. 
but then I saw some numbers. We're like middle of the road of A10 play, yeah. and like there's like we're the high. We would be the highest have the highest budget in like I don't know like 15 or 20 different conferences or something. So mm-hmm. once I saw that, I'm like, you know what? I think I think I got to disagree with uh, John, and so that's yeah. why we had some uh, yeah. Valentine's Day romance tips. Yeah, by no, I, like we we beat we beat GW more with less. No, our our programs expenses are a half million more than GW and we've been getting better recruits. If anything, it'd be GW doing more with less when they beat us these days. Not only is it just generally inaccurate, it, it kind of seems like an insult to the players or, or at best a backhanded compliment in some weird way. Right. And it looks like we got somebody here on our phone line. We didn't use this last week, but the phone line here, somebody's uh interested in talking about it. So uh, go ahead. Hey guys, it's me. It's John Rothstein. I'm on the upper oh. west side of Manhattan right now. I'm having wings at Bar Coastal. Hey John! Um, wow. hey, hey, thank you so much for having me on the show. I, now, I, this, despite that terrible, terrible impersonation that you did of me last week, I will say I'm a big fan of the podcast. I love it almost as much as the Hurley Brothers. Oh God! Oh, we're better than them. Come on. Yeah. Not well, you know, I, I just want to say, you know, my my more with less tweets. I I really don't mean to offend anybody. Really, uh, my main priority when I write those tweets is uh, to sell some T-shirts. We don't have a T-shirt of us. Yeah, those Mark, those Mark Schmidt, more with less T-shirts. They've sold me. Uh, I've sold a lot of T-shirts, and uh, let me tell you, each T-shirt I get, I get to have a better meal. Oh, what a grifter! This this guy's for hire. Like this, this is what this, this is what he's on here talking about. Listen, unfurled. I I don't want to hear it from you because let me tell you something. When you're having dinner at the Bojangles. With um, uh, with Coach K's student manager, um, <laughs> that doesn't come free. You got to sell a lot of T-shirts to do that. You know what I mean? Why don't you make a Ithaca T-shirt, which is where you went to school, and just do less with less? Yeah, right. Uh-huh. Didn't yeah. they just have a big win over like RIT or someone the other day? Maybe Are they playing Houghton anytime soon? Yes, boys, boys. This is brilliant. This is brilliant. <laughs> All right, all right. Cha-ching, cha-ching. Looks like Rothstein, Daddy Rothstein, he's not going to be eating Kraft mac and cheese tonight. Thank you so much. It's brilliant. <laughs> Daddy Rothstein. Oh, my God. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm coming up with another idea right now. I'm coming up with another idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Alfred University, the number one school that Mark Schmidt's boys ever went to. Oh my God, I'm going to love it. I'm going to sell so many t-shirts. I'd actually say that's only in high school, but that's just me. Daddy Rothstein, he's eating for free at the Golden Corral tonight, boys. Did you just come on here just to get crappy ideas for more t-shirts? Just to come on here to get more crappy ideas for t-shirts. Now he's making a t-shirt out of that. I love it. Thank you so much. No, 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 no. No, you can't. No, this is all copyrighted by SB Unfurled Inc. Get out of here. Daddy Rothstein for hire. Oh, no, man. What a grifter. He is just so schmarmy. I just like, damn, I gotta take a shower after that one. We will find you acting on your best So the, the eyes of the Twitter gambling world were on you oh, over no. the weekend. Uh, no. And I, I woke up, like I went out Friday after the Davidson game and just drowned my sorrows. I woke up Saturday, <laughs> I was I was pretty hungover, and I was like, I got to get these bets in. I didn't 
feel like looking up all the lines. I didn't feel like looking up, you know, what Ken Palm says or, you know, formulating my own opinions on these games. But you knew who was. You knew who was. I was like, you know what? I'm going to be pretty lazy today. I'm going to just go with what Bonacommenter put out there. It's fine. (laughs) So I put, (laughs) so I, I call my guy and I'm like, Hey, these, these are the, these are the guys I want, man. These, these are the lines I'm on. I put in like all five or all six and I started watching right at noon and just watched in complete horror for five, six hours as you just emptied out my bank account. I went around the community. I, I started making a a little short movie. I made a movie about it, about how bad your your bets have been lately. Oh God! And lo and behold, I'm not the only one that no way follows you and that puts all these bets in. So a lot of people are, you know, they're they're disappointed. But you'll you'll find out when we when we hear my short movie that I put together that they're they're not giving up. They're not giving up on you. Regus Entertainment LTD in association with Empire Sports Network <laughs> Unfinished Dreams Part 2 The story of Bonna Commenter's 2020 Atlantic 10 Conference oh, no. betting season <laughs> What epitomizes sports betting? For the normal better, it is the memory one bad beat at noon, making you chase lines for an entire yep. day. Until you're betting the halftime live line at 1 a.m. In a game between UC Riverside and Hawaii. That's only football. But for Bonna Commenter, it was the opportunity. The opportunity to go above 500 <laughs> during the Atlantic 10 conference season. And win his loyal followers money. Oh, God. In February of 2020, temperatures were plummeting. But hopes were rising as a local team's Twitter troll captured the hearts of the locals and was one good weekend away from having a winning betting season. Sports betting's the lifeblood down here, eh? You know, it gives us something to root for when LaSalle plays George Mason. Something to get you out of your house, away from your wife, away from your kids. You go to the bar, you put your money on Bonnet Commenter's picks. It's become a tradition in this town. Tradition. Small as a town as this is, we were lucky to have a guy on our side who knows the game, knows the teams, knows the players, and to, uh, you know, make his best public for us. <laughs> we all knew. We, uh, we all knew he'd win his money. We, we were so confident. I, I emptied my kid's college fund to bet LaSalle to cover Whoa! against St. Louis. College is expensive these days. Now my wife left me, and even worse, I have to vote for Bernie. That's not a bad thing. <laughs> on a commenter was 38 and 39, <laughs> heading into a week in mid-February. And on a slow Wednesday, his followers eagerly waited for his picks. He liked VCU to cover 14 and a half against George Mason. Oh no! George Mason won the game outright. <laughs> he was on LaSalle plus four and a half against Richmond. I'm done with him. They lost by 27. <laughs> we just thought it was a little uh, midweek bump in the road, you know. We, we, we knew he'd recover for us over the weekend. My, my marriage depended on it, really. Bonna Commenter went into the weekend 38-43, and 43, but a big slate of A-10 basketball gave his followers faith that he'd be close to even <laughs> heading into Sunday. With the community watching, he took Mason minus 6.5 against GW. <laughs> they lost by 6. 
He took VCU plus two against Richmond. Why? They lost by 18. He took LaSalle to cover eight against St. Louis. They lost by 15. He took Dayton <laughs> minus 14 against UMass. They only won by eight. I never he took St. Like Joe's that. to cover 16 and a half against Rhode Island, and a meaningless foul with 16 seconds left sealed an 18-point roadie win. <laughs> devastated, man. Just, just oh, devastated. I, I couldn't go home and face my wife and kids after that. Missed my daughter's birthday party. I slept in a micro-tel that night. Gambling <laughs> is a cruel mistress, because even after an 0-9 streak, you wake up with new opportunities to lose hard-earned money, and a new opportunity was there for the taking. We were down, yeah, 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 you know, but we, we, uh, we, we had a little faith. Went, went to church that morning, skipped out a little early, told my family I had to use the shitter, and, hey, I actually headed to the bar with some friends for Duquesne at Fordham. The locals eagerly awaited Bonnet Commenter's Sunday pick. Did he completely give up? Did he go off the grid to avoid his bookie? No. Did he already <laughs> move to a remote suburb of Missoula, Montana, where he would make big sky picks? As Grizz commenter. <laughs> oh. He did not. He came back for more A10 action. Duquesne minus seven and a half. I, I like to pick, yeah, I, I had faith in Bonnet commenter, but put money I didn't even have on that one. But uh, you, you could have gone into any bar in the community and found people arguing over whether or not he was going to be right. Duquesne ended up winning the game, but only by five points. And a historic 0 for 10 run was realized. <laughs> The odds against a local Twitter troll going up against Las Vegas are tremendous. He, he went, he went 0 for 10, but but if anyone can turn a corner, he can. Yeah, I, I picked up a second job to see this through. Sometimes sports betting isn't just about winning or losing; it's about fabricating interest in a GW Fordham game on a Wednesday. To be part of something as special, you know, to look around you and have everyone else lose all their money too to lose your family and your kid's future, it, it brings you closer together to, to look back and say, you know, I, I was there. I was a part of Bonacometer's historic 0 for 10 betting run. It, it'll always be special to me. <laughs> you ruined their lives. Oh, those poor, those poor townies. I lost a lot of money. <laughs> oh, no. I'm going to be responsible for Dresser Rand going out of business. So that that guy, that townie said, you know, he's going to stick with you. Hopefully he did because you won you won all three yesterday, didn't you? On Tuesday night, yeah, we won all three. Um, by the time you hear this, it's going to be Thursday morning at the very earliest. So I could very well lose the next three on uh, Wednesday night. So who even knows? And um, <laughs> I got to say, if we don't cover or beat Richmond, I may have to change my name to Grizz Commenter for a little bit. I think we know what this song means, right? Closing time at the burn. Yeah, man. Lights are on. Not an 80s song, I don't think. Right? 70s? Early 70s, but... Oh, God. This is like that scene from Step Brothers when it's like, we only play early 80s, Joel. Yeah. <laughs> see, what is Piano Man? That album came out in the early 70s, I think. I was going to say, yeah. I love that album. Yeah, 73. It's Although, I mean, he's pretty much an 80s icon, too, so... We'll let it slide. Yeah, yeah. But thank you guys so much for joining us here for episode four of SB Unfurled and Friends. Be sure to follow us on all your streaming platforms. SBUnfurled.com really has them all listed for you in an easy spot. Thank you all so much for joining us. Enjoy 80s weekend, and hopefully we are talking about a nice win over the Richmond Spiders next week. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us.